1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins-Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, everyone, I don't know where the time went, but it's already December. And this is the time of year that so many of us are focused on starting to buy gifts. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, especially if my husband and children are listening, but if you'd like an idea, a suggestion, that won't cost a thing, here's an idea. As often as possible, preferably at least till Christmas and the new year, write on a post-it what you are most grateful for. Place it in what I call a gratitude jar. And when you go through your notes each week, you'll be surprised how much you truly have to be grateful for. And the way I see it, if you're not appreciative of what you have, then you'll never have enough. And that's a very positive way to start this upcoming holiday season. And right now, I'd like to bring on someone who I am grateful for each and every day. And that is my fabulous producer, Lori Houston. Hi, Lori. Hi, Jane.
2: How are you? Very good. Very good message. Love it. Okay.
1: Every word is true. Uh, and, and Laurie, you know, I'm also grateful for the great guests that we have on the show. And of course, today is no exception. After the break, we'll meet a renowned ophthalmologist who will tell us how to take care of our eyes. And many of us do take our sight for granted. And we will talk about my kayaking accident where I accidentally hit my head with my paddle and thought I would go blind. So I've never, I did not. So I, I never appreciated my eyesight more. So, but turning to our first segment, Laurie, you know how I love success stories, right? Yes. And we interview a lot of celebrities. But what I find really interesting are people from every walk of life who follow their passions and become... Successful at them, as did our next guest. She is Lisa Pimentel. She is a school teacher who's also the lead singer, songwriter, and guitarist of the female band No Small Children. You may have heard their number one hit recording "Ghostbusters" song, which is the Ghostbuster is in the Ghostbusters remake movie. She also produced the group's current album "Hold Tight, I'm Flying." The group has uh, the group of three has been featured in national media, including the L.A. Times, L.A. Weekly, National Rock Review, CBS, Fox, NPR, to name a few. And she is here with us today on Radio Talk. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you so much for being with us.
3: Good morning, Jane. Thank you so much.
1: And I assume I pronounced your name right. Did I not?
3: <laughs> uh, you know what? It's perfect. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, Lisa,
1: going Lisa's easy. Going from a school teacher to a rock star is not the normal path of, you know, school teachers, right? And um, I remember in my son's uh, school. There was an art teacher who was like the fifth cousin once removed from Steve Tyler of Aerosmith, and we were all very and we were all very impressed. <laughs> so, but but you actually you actually did it. So, how did that all come about for you and your group?
3: Well, it's funny because it's like I feel like, you know, we've been doing this for I mean, I've been doing this my whole life, playing music and and putting myself out there and just, you know, being creative with with music. And then all of a sudden something happens and your whole world kind of changes. And for the, in this instance, what ended up happening, because all three of us teach at the same school, we're still teachers. We're really we actually we love teaching, we're really into it. And, um, you know, we've been in a band for I think, about, about three years and then a year ago, Halloween, we did a, um, a Halloween show, which we often do because they're really fun to play. And we decided we're going to go as Ghostbusters. So we uh, went to Home Depot and got these really cheap outfits and taped on the Ghostbusters uh, logo. And then we learned the song because it made sense. And it's a really fun song to play. Everybody loves that song. So we played the, sh- uh, played the show and played the song. And the place went crazy singing Ghostbusters. And it was so much fun. So we ended up um, deciding to record it in, I I have a studio, so we recorded in my studio. And, you know, we just recorded it. We didn't put too much thought into it. We just recorded it the way that it it made sense for our band to do it. And it came out really well. And then we started thinking, because we do live in North Hollywood and we teach in Hollywood. So we're thinking, I wonder if we know, because we found out there's a movie coming out with all female casts and, It's like, I wonder if we know anybody on the film. I mean, who knows, you know, turns out we did, we, we knew the uh, composer and we just sent them the song just thinking, you know, maybe, you know, who knows? That's what we always do. That's what musicians and artists always do. You're always putting things into the universe. And, um, and about six months later, we didn't think much of it and we didn't really expect him to, you know, go out on a limb. We just thought he might know somebody or whatever. So, uh. Six months later, we get a call on a Friday at like four o'clock saying that the director and the music supervisor heard our version of Ghostbusters and just flipped out and are pushing to get it in the film. But it had to be in the contract and all the paperwork had to be done within two hours. So um, because they were like, you know, locking the film on the following Sunday which is like with a major film company, it's kind of a big deal to just in the last second decide we have to squeeze a song in. So they really went to bat for us. And, um, you know, we we did it. We got it all negotiated and signed and whatnot. And next thing you know, we're, you know, in, you know, we're the closing credit of the movie. And then we um, it's just turned into so many amazing more so many more opportunities for us. And uh, yeah, and that's basically the story. Well, you know, well, I, you know I, I love what the director of
1: Ghostbusters said about your group. These awesome musicians completely sum up the spirit of our movie. Smart, talented, subversive women, subversive women kicking ass, and taking
3: names. I mean, how great <laughs> is that? <laughs> I love it. That love is it. like the best thing someone could say about it. Like, that's what we want to be as a band, you know, so it's awesome. Now, why the name No
1: Small Children? Is that um,
3: because well, like it has, you want to get away from a... children for a while when you play? <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, um, at the time when Nicole and I, um, started the band, actually, we were at recess duty, and it was Mother's Day, and it was just, you know, there was a lot, um, it wasn't Mother's Day yet. It was that following Sunday, and there was just a lot of, you know, we were just kind of being a kind of cynical <laughs> about how Mother's Day y it was, and, and, um, so we said, yeah, we should start a band called No Small Children. And so that, but we didn't, you know, it was just an idea. It was just, we didn't really we hadn't even started playing together yet and then later on we decided how cool would it be to have to start writing so we just started writing music together and then we thought about the name more and the fact that it's because we teach elementary school and it's just like if you're not careful your whole life becomes about your kid and as teachers too it's like you know it's okay to have a place for adults, you know, and it's not just for us. I mean, we love what we do and we love our, we love our kids so much, but we also realize that, you know, there's a place that kids aren't allowed, you know, you know, we need our space too. And I think as parents, I think that's important too, you know, that, you know, there's a place where I go for me that I can just let loose and, and, you know, and yes, I like to rock out too, you know, and I like to feel like I'm being aggro and anti a little bit. And, um, and that's what we want. It was kind of ended up being a place, to like a a space for that, I guess. And kids have come to the shows, but, but not that much, you know, we've had only a a couple all ages shows. So
1: So. let's walk a little bit uh, through, through your day as, as a teacher, you probably have to get up really early in the morning, right? And, and you probably have to be like a morning person because that just starts your day. And then you go from there probably till late in the evening, right?
3: It depends. Like when we first started out, uh, it's like we were trying to, I mean, the way we saw it, it, you know, I know there's a lot, you do a lot about health on your show and, you know, in the beginning we were feeling like the, even though it was, it was tiring, it's like the, the, the creative part of it was really driving us. And we were feeling excited all the time because we were writing songs and playing shows and everything felt so new and exciting. And that gave us so much energy and that's kind of how it started. So we, in the beginning, we were, yeah, it, it was a lot like that. Like we were, we were, we had this motto and we're school teachers. So we were very methodical about the band, you know, like everything's a lesson plan, like the rehearsal, but you know, what we're going to do in the month, the five year plan and all, you know, things like that. But we started, we just said yes to everything. That was our motto, you know, say to yes to gigs, say yes to opportunities. So yeah, we were playing on weekdays around LA in tiny bars. And sometimes there was no one even there. And, um, but you know just the 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 uh, excitement of it all and the newness and it was almost like feels like you have a lottery ticket you know when you're being creative and and we just that drove us in but yes we were tired and it also actually made us it made us um more exciting in the classroom too because we had this creative thing that we were doing and that was that was spilling over into the energy of the classroom so the kids got energized by by us because we were energized by what we were doing. So, um, so that was, it was really tough, but as time's gone, cause we've been together like almost over three years now, it's gotten to the point because we said yes all the time that at some point we had to start saying no. And so now we rarely play on the weekdays. Um, we rehearse twice a week, pretty, pretty strictly, but we love it. You know, it's after school. It's not at night. We're, we we're teachers. We're done at three o'clock. Well, depending, but like four o'clock, so we can rehearse in the day and be home for supper with our husbands. Um, you know, we just we're were really methodical about the planning. So we were really tired, like I said, for like a year or two years, and now we just were super careful about how we spend our time.
1: I, I'm actually very impressed. You know, when I my, have my three kids and when they were growing up, I thought um, – one, you know, you hear about super women. I thought, you know, I'm going to be like super woman this morning because, you know, I, I'm sure you can have it all. I'm going to gonna try. So that morning I got up really early and it, I make them, the, you know, instead of like a frozen waffle, I make them like hot steel cut oats with organic maple syrup and, you know, yeah. whatever. And I and I take my husband, I lay out his clothes so he doesn't go with like one brown shoe, one one black shoe to the office. And I, I do everything. Go to the gym, work out, and then I come back and, and then I, I drive a kids to school, drop off my daughter at kindergarten and then I think, you know what, I am Superwoman. I have done it all. This is it. I don't know what people talk about that you can't be Superwoman because I have just proven that you can be and just on the phone rings and it's the nursery school teacher, I never forget, Mrs. Butters <laughs> and I said, <laughs> uh, she goes, well Mrs. Michael and I uh, she, she said, is everything okay at your house? And I said, of course Mrs. Butter, you know, how could it not be? I'm back at work and all the kids are there and you know, my career and my kid and whatever and I said, why? And said, said well you seem to have sent your daughter to school in her pajamas <laughs> so i decided right then and there that you cannot have it all so i'm very impressed with that you can combine all this stuff i have to tell you <laughs> so uh, I don't. I don't know. If singing is going to be my next career, unless unless Lori does it with me. I don't know. We can be a duo, but I don't think she's going to go. <laughs> she won't even do. She won't even do sports with me. So I don't. I don't think singing is going to be in the cards either. So, well, if um, it
3: happens. Let me know. Maybe we we'll do a show together.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. I told Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw was on. I said I want to be your backup singer. He goes, sure, sure. He was the sweetest, and he didn't even ask if I could sing. Which somehow I. I made it. I think he was just being nice. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but <laughs> I think maybe he was. being Nice,
3: right? Well, he so. probably knows that it, it, it actually, you know, be, knowing how to sing is not the most important part. Well,
1: actually. I think it. I think it is if you're like his backup singer. <laughs> I mean, oh, I that's just, true. Yeah. If you're
3: Tim McGraw's backup singer, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I think you
1: kind of have to know how to sing. Yeah. Backup dancer, you kind of have to know how to dance. I mean, I'd take either, but I'm, I'm either. So <laughs> what, can, what can I tell you? So how do you get organized? In the morning? What do you eat for energy for, to keep you sustained throughout the day?
3: Um, let me see. How do I stay energized? Um, you know, I constantly have this mantra where, this is for me, the other, uh, Nicola and Joni, it's a little bit different, I think, for them. But for me, you know, I, I definitely do yoga every morning, even if it's just for like 10 minutes. I definitely do that. I eat, um, I eat very small amounts of food in the morning with no carbs, because I feel like if I eat carbs by 10 o'clock, I'm like... You know, I'm already hungry. <laughs> um, oh, Nicola just walked in. She's on it's recess right now. Uh, <laughs> so we're at <laughs> recess right she now. She just never, walked ever in. Ever um, school. <laughs> <laughs> ten fifteen to ten thirty is recess. Uh, the other thing is that that for me, what's really really works is that I I make sure I bring snacks to school because there's always donuts or bagels or muffins or something that someone doesn't want in their house, in the teacher, in the school's kitchen for anyone to grab. And it's so tempting to just have a donut. And this happens almost every single day. It's somebody's birthday and they put all the leftovers in the, in the kitchen and there's like, we have Krispy Kreme here. So it's, it's so tempting. So we just make sure, and I know Nickel is really strict about this too, is just making sure we only have we have snacks every day. Like I have rice cakes. I have, always have an apple on my bag because if I, I was, if I had to decide what I was going to eat without that, I would choose the wrong thing. But if I just bring that done, you know?
1: Well, that's important because your energy does flag in the, in the middle of the day and you, you tend yeah. to look at those donuts and say, Hmm, that looks pretty good. It's a sugar. And then the sugar wakes you up and then you get a drop in blood sugar. So it's counterproductive for sure.
3: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: And also, yeah, does can't
3: we? It's a no-go. We can't do that.
1: No, do that. doesn't do, <laughs> do doesn't do wonders for your health either. To eat those those donuts, I must say. Although kids can work it off in two seconds, but I think you reach a certain point that donuts just <laughs> it's right. not good in so many ways. Um, it's so, your birthday, but you know you yeah. have four hundred kids' birthdays a year. Yeah, I mean you're gonna you're gonna eat yeah four four hundred. <laughs> Four hundred pieces of cake—that that's not good either. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So, how do you fit in exercising? Um, Unless your show gives you enough exercise when you do that, but I would think you do that. You do other things in between.
3: Yeah, I mean, the show is—you know—for me in my head, that's the reason I exercise at this point. You know, that's how I feel anyway. It's like I want to feel—I want to feel limber and I want to feel energetic on stage. So. That's why I do the yoga, and that's why I, I – for me, it, like, all three of us are very different. Like, Joni goes to the gym, like, every single day for, like, an hour. Nicola is very active. She does a lot of hiking and biking and trekking, and all, she's going to Nepal, I think, in March. It's crazy. Oh, wow. And then I'm um, – I know. And then um, for me, it's like I, you, I'll run a mile. I'll walk really – I have a dog, so I do long hikes and walking. and But every morning I try to stretch – um, do the yoga in the morning. And I feel like the the whole thing for me is just moderate. Everything's moderation. You know, like I don't go crazy. I just, you know, if I run, it's one mile, that's it. But it it's enough to make me feel energized.
1: Which so. is important. You don't want to also get yourself so exhausted from working out or, you know, that, that also that's counterproductive if you do too much. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So. And it just psychs me out. So I end up not wanting to go because it's, it's just too much. It's, it, it's, it's almost like all my extra all my health stuff is like, a, I have to figure out how I'm going to trick myself into making sure I get it done and follow through. So I have that, you know, I have to do that. I write, I do a lot of writing. Like I read a book when I first came to LA years ago called, um, the artist way. You've probably heard of it by Julie mm-hmm. Cameron. Right. And it, it, one of the exercises is every single day you write these things called morning pages, which is just two pages of just writing whatever's coming to your mind. And even though that book I read years ago, I still do those morning pages almost every day. So it just helps me organize my thoughts. And that when I'm done with that, I'll write because one thing about another thing about being a songwriter is you, you can write, you know, it's, cr- it's so creative. And it, it sometimes it makes you realize how you actually feel about stuff. So, like, you'll write and write and write, and then you'll look at it and go, wow, and then you realize how you feel. And that's a big part of my health is just keeping straight about how I actually feel about things. And, and um, it just, you know, it's part of it. So do you write the music and the lyrics? Uh, Mostly, yeah.
1: So what comes yep. first? Do you have something in your head, the song, and then you fill it in with the lyrics, or you have the lyrics and then you try to uh work the music around it?
3: It, it really depends. Um sometimes cuz I write almost every day, so I just have you know notebooks of ideas lyrically, but the songs usually come like it'll I'll be I'll just, I have a little um tape recorder that's and ideas will just come into my head and I'll just record them. And sometimes they come with lyrics, sometimes they don't. Sometimes we'll be the band will be in a rehearsal room. Like yesterday, Nicole and I spent about three hours just just like flushing out ideas and, and just trying things and just being in a vulnerable place where you can just kind of go for it and not worry about it, what anybody thinks. And sometimes great, and then we record what we like and we take it from there. So there's a lot of answers to that. There, there's no real way for me. And so yesterday we were writing on piano instead of guitar. Um, so it just depends. And one of my, have to force it a little bit too. So.
1: One of my greatest regrets, and I've said this before, is that I didn't follow my music. I, I played the piano, and I played a guitar when I was younger, but I just didn't follow it. My parents didn't sort of make me do it. They said, "Okay, if you want to give it up, you're practicing your guitar playing," and I did. And I, I wish they would have insisted that I continue it because I think it's such a great expression, artistic expression, when you can play an instrument. Um, I, I just think it opens up a whole new world. So I encourage um, kids and even adults, if they want to follow that path, to do it, right? If you want to, if you feel... I, I think everybody can has a talent, if, if they try it at least, for playing an instrument. No? I mean, obviously Absolutely. some better than Absolutely. others.
3: Yeah, so, but it's like... I mean, I'm a music teacher, so I, yeah. I really do believe that, you know? And, you know, I, I think there's all these different versions. Like some parents make their kids take an instrument, which I don't know, you know... It, for them, it, it usually when they are adults, they're grateful they did. Mm-hmm. Some people don't. Um, like for me, my my parents, my parents were, um, you know, always supportive, but they didn't. You know, I could do whatever I want to. I just always was drawn towards that. But I think that, but I can tell you that at most shows there's almost always that someone come that comes up to me and says what you just said, that I took, you know, clarinet in fourth grade and I gave it up. I wish I didn't, or cause I'll play trumpet live. A lot of that happens with trumpet and, Oh, I wish I didn't give it up. That happens almost at almost every show, almost every show. And, yeah, okay. and, and I'll tell you another thing is that we're in our, you know, this band, we're in our mid forties. We started this band three years ago. It's not like, you know, and I never really, I never sang in a band really before a few years ago. Not I, I was in a, singing in a band with, before No Small Children, but I was mostly a drummer for most of my music career. So it's, it's like, you know, you just get, you know, it's like, why not? You know, you just do it not to be famous, but just because it feels really good to just, just uh, sing from something really deep inside you and play instruments with your friends.
1: <laughs> uh, no, but that's wonderful. How many of us can follow our passions and actually do it? You know, and, and don't just oh. say, gee, I wish I could do that. And But how many of us actually do it? Which is so impressive about you, Lisa, that you actually, you've done it and, and your group uh, rather than just say, gee, I wish I did. I wish I, you know. Um, so I think it's 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 nice and very inspirational that you're sharing this because I, I do think there's so much, many of us who can do so much more and we just don't even give it a chance because either we're afraid to or we think, oh, it's not going to happen. But you know, I was thinking maybe of taking piano lessons again so I can pick up for my next chord of Fly Me to the Moon, <laughs> which I played. There you go. And, and, and my guitar, which I, after like 10 years of lessons, I could play if I had a hammer and I forgot it. So, uh, <laughs> or, or down the way where the nights are, the, I think Jamaica, here I come. or So I was just a great, It, was, it I, I could have continued and, and now I'm kind of kicking myself, but you were inspiring me. So I I think there's still well, something I- left in me to do it.
3: Can I tell you just something that really inspired me while when you're because we I, I produce the music. So that that actually can be really late at night work. Like so when you get home from work, you know, you've know you got to work on the tracks. Otherwise, it's not going to get done. Right. So one of the things that really inspired me to just keep keeping my nose to the to pavement was I was thinking about the audacity of hope, which was the autobiography that Barack Obama wrote when he was a senator. And I was thinking about. How and he actually wrote it himself. He didn't have a writer. And I was thinking about how how do you write a book while you're a senator? And so in what he did was he would just go home after work, and he would when everyone else was watching TV and you know doing things, he would be, he would make himself sit there for an hour every night. And so that's the way I looked at it. it's like okay for one hour I'm going to do this just like in, in that the fact that he finished that book just I found it to write a book I mean that's like amazing while you're working at the same time and with such an important job. So that, that's where I found my inspiration. So.
1: Yeah, well, we can do so much if we put our mind to it, if we just have to follow through. And they say that the only, yeah.
3: the only people
1: who get in the way of, of your own success are sort of you, so not you, particularly, not you, but yeah,
2: ourselves. No, <laughs> not you, Lisa, but, but,
1: but ourselves. And I think that's very true, you know. They're, they're so, um, so the next time you see me, I maybe will have you produce my new album. Live no. with, live with Jade <laughs> and Lori. All right, I'm, bring, I'm bringing I'm bringing Lori into this. No, I'm kicking and screaming, <laughs> perhaps, but I'm bringing her into. It. Um, now, what would you say in our in our final uh, minute or so? Uh, what 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 are your lifestyle tips that that you live by, and perhaps you could share with all of us that we can see. live by too?
3: Well, I like for one, definitely writing. I don't know if, if I always write two pages now, but I always write at least one page of of um of what what I call the morning pages where I just every morning you just spit it out out onto the page. It feels really good. Um, there's that. And while I'm doing that, I'm like, I'm, cause I taught myself, into, okay, you got to drink more water today. You got to stay off the Facebook today. You got to, um, have like basic, I try to eat like no sugar. Cause I feel like sugar just destroys me. Um, you know, just like little mantras of little things that just keep me on, on, um, on track. But for me, I don't know, for, for other people, it might be different for me. I need to, I need to have a conversation with myself to, to, to encourage myself. You know, and that, that's what happens in the morning. It's like, what are you going to do today? And when you said, what are you going to be grateful for? Like, I do that too. Like, you know, what am I grateful for right in this moment right now? And I'll just write that and then I'll go, okay, now how are you going to keep, how are you going to feel, keep feeling good? Um, and then of course the exercise, but, and then you, you um, cause I looked at, I w- you know, I was looking at some of the other things you guys talk about on your show and um, you asked about, like you talk about mindful practice and I mm-hmm. just found this amazing app called, um, insight timer where they have all these guided meditations on it. Cause I've always had a hard time meditating for more than like 30 seconds. And I found this app and it's so great. Um, and there's all these different people that guide it and it, it really helps like meditating. If you can do it for like five minutes, it really helps your day. So I'm, I'm trying to do that more, but it's, I'm still, I'm still getting the hang of it really. So well, I have, I have my own personal app. She's
1: called Lori. <laughs> So she, she, I have my own personal app. She's called Lori Houston, my producer. So she, oh, she gets, okay. she, she gets me through everything and she makes the most fantastic, she made me the most amazing meditation uh, for a, for a birthday gift. She's, she's incredible. So yes, I, she keeps me sane. Let's put it that way. Um, so where can our, you're just the cutest and, and thanks so much for, for being with us. Where, where can we find you and your group and, and your song and everything else well, about you?
3: We're we're the band is called No Small Children and we, you know we have a um we just have everything going on we have a but our website is the hub for everything we have and it's no small children dot com um yeah that's basically it we have a Facebook and we have Spotify and we have Twitter and Instagram and just everything that everyone's supposed to do. <laughs>
1: Well, that's that's wonderful. Laura says she likes to sing, so she will be the lead singer because she she probably sings a lot okay. better than I do. So hey. we we already have the band in order. <laughs>
3: Jane, you know what? I'm not. This is how great things happen. With just that, you just for, you got to get your band name before you even start practicing. That's the key.
1: Oh well, that that might take a little bit of thought.
3: <laughs> well, I'll give I'll get back to you on that when we, when we decide when we decide. And your outfits.
1: And you're all Oh, that well, okay. That that too. We got a lot. Of, we got a lot, a lot of stuff to consider, Lori. So they got a, got a lot of things here. So, well, again, thank you so much. The best of luck to you. Come back and 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 come talk to us again. You're incredibly inspirational, and 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 I thank you for that. And I'm sure our listeners do too. Uh, everyone, stay with us when we come back. We're going to talk about eye health with Doctor. Adrian Thaw.
2: As listeners of our iHeartRadio talk show know. Jane Wilkins-Michael is one of the foremost experts on all things health, beauty, and fitness. Jane has just released her highly anticipated new book, Long Live You, a step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before. In it, she shares a collection of advice, tips, and personal antidotes, along with lifestyle suggestions from some of the world's top beauty, health, and fitness experts, many of whom have been interviewed on this show. Are you hoping to make positive health decisions, improve your emotional well-being, establish a support system, give something back to your community and the world? Jane's new book will help you look years younger and also live a longer, healthier, happier, and more beautiful life. You can order Long Live You, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before at your local bookstore or at Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Where it's available for delivery or as an ebook. Or go to Jane's website, janewilkinsmichael.com. Now, back to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show.
0: Wanna know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael Show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune in to Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael, and better than before.
1: Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to The Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm here with Lori, as always. And now I'd like to welcome a very special guest. She is Dr. Andrea Thaw, a dedicated doctor of optometry and the president of the American Optometric Association. She's also a founding member of the American Optometrics Infancy Committee, which focuses on infant eye care. She currently owns a private practice on Park Avenue in Manhattan, which is a full scope primary care practice. And it has a special emphasis on children's vision and vision therapy. She does it all. Welcome to the show, Doctor. Thank you so much for being with us.
2: Thank you for
4: having me.
1: Now, Doctor, I have to tell you a little story that I alluded to in the intro. And I talked a a, a bit about how we should have more gratitude. You know, I I recently had a little incident that made me realize that we cannot take our sight for granted. Well, Lori knows that I'm an expert sports person. Right, Lori? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yes, you don't have to answer that. So this summer I was kayaking on the ocean. And, you know, when you come back to the beach, you're supposed to exit the kayak on the beach side. But being the pro that I am, I somehow ended up in the ocean and I hit myself on the head with my own paddle. And I I had a headache, but a few days later, I was seeing squiggly lines. And I also have to say that I'm like the world's worst hypochondriac. So I was convinced I was going blind or I had severely severed my retina that I would never be able to see again. But it turned out that I had just displaced my vitreous fluid and it was nothing serious. And I very much appreciated my eyesight going forward. So that's my story of appreciation for today, this holiday time. (laughs) So I say that,
4: um, people really value vision that next to next to life itself it's God's greatest gift. and actually, surveys do show that people fear losing their vision um, more than any other health risk other than dying. Um so vision is really precious and important, and we only do get one pair of eyes, so we need to take good care of them, so we have a lifetime of great vision
1: exactly and And you know, doctor, the, the eyes uh, as you know, tell us so much about our health. And uh, years ago, I went to an iridologist to diagnose my upset stomach, actually, through my eyes. And when people are sick, you can, you can see it in their eyes. Uh, before we talk about eye health in general, uh, what can our eyes tell us about our state of health?
4: So it's very important to have an annual comprehensive eye examination with your doctor of optometry to protect and preserve your vision because um, not only uh, is it important to maintain your eye health, which your eye doctor can do, but the eye is the only part of the body where we can actually see exposed blood vessels without cutting you open. That is, we can see, literally see your arteries and veins when we examine your retina in a dilated exam. So that gives us a, a window into your overall systemic health. Diseases like diabetes, high blood pressure, sickle cell, leukemia, and other diseases will manifest themselves in the eye. And in addition to that, the eyes are an extension of the brain. The optic nerve that connects the eyes to the brain Um, is also visible by the doctor of optometry when you're having your comprehensive eye exam. So through an uh, an examination, you can also detect all kinds of neurological problems, including brain tumors, aneurysms, uh, multiple sclerosis, and a whole host of other um, conditions. So one of the most important things you can do to protect and preserve not only your vision, but your overall health, is to have a comprehensive annual eye examination with your doctor of optometry.
1: You just said you can see brain tumors through your eyes. You just opened up a whole new category for me, Doctor Thaw. Yeah,
2: for you to get nervous about, it.
1: <laughs> for, for to get very nervous about. It. I didn't realize you could actually look in your eye and see a brain tumor. That's a whole different area that I haven't yet, uh, I haven't uh, visited.
4: This is why it's so important to have an in-person comprehensive eye examination because changes in your vision. Uh, may be indicative of things other than just needing new glasses. They can be indicative of diabetes or of brain tumors or other problems. So not all brain tumors will be visible through the eyes, but because the whole visual pathway traverses the head from the front where the eyes are all the way straight to the back, any kind of lesion or tumor that presses on that pathway will impact vision. It may impact clarity of sight. It may impact your peripheral or side vision. And it may also be visible in terms of the nerve head itself looking pale if it's not getting enough blood supply or swollen from pressure. So um, my colleagues and I find and save lives all the time by finding brain tumors and things when patients are coming in thinking it's just an eye exam or just glasses that they need.
1: Well, I would ask you the symptoms of it, but I don't want to go there. So (laughs) maybe after, after, I'll just kind of, you could just sort of allude to them, like, "Mm, do you have headaches? Do you have, like, your eyes are a different color? But you know something, when you have things like uh, when you're jaundiced or you have liver issues, your eyes do turn a little yellow, no?
4: That's correct. That's correct. It's one of the signs of jaundice. And of course, um, you know, you don't want to wait for your eyes to tell you that you have a systemic health problem. It's important for you to be seeing your doctor on a regular basis to check your health. But the doctors of optometry are often the entry point for many Americans to getting um, any kind of health care whatsoever. And so in 2014 alone, my colleagues found 240,000 new cases of diabetes just by performing eye exams on patients who did not know that they had diabetes.
1: Really? Now, how is that detected through your eye exam?
4: So there are two components. One is uh, fluctuations in your blood sugar can impact the lens that's in your eye and therefore change your prescription. So fluctuations in prescription that are not accountable for any other reason are often a sign that blood sugar may not be stable. And in addition, if left untreated, you will start to see leakage in those visible blood vessels in the back of the eye, the capillaries, the small arteries and veins, will start to develop little outpouches or a little bit of leakage. And when we see that in an eye, that's an indication to us that that patient needs to get an immediate uh, evaluation by their physician for treatment of diabetes.
1: Now, how does diabetes impact vision if you don't treat it?
4: Well, unfortunately, it is the leading cause of blindness in adults under the age of 75. And uh, it is totally preventable. And so this is really important that patients have regular ongoing comprehensive eye exams and take good care of themselves and their diabetes. As doctors of optometry, we partner with our patients to help ensure that they're compliant with their regimen, uh, of taking care of their diabetes. We make sure that we, they're seeing their doctors regularly. We send reports of our results to their physician. We ask them about their blood test results, like their hemoglobin A1C, which tells you about stability of blood sugar over a three-month period. And um, we can work together to find those early changes and make sure that those patients get treatment that they need for diabetes before they go blind. And it's the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, estimates that as many as 50% of patients are not getting the appropriate eye exams when they are diagnosed with diabetes. And so it's really important um, to have an annual exam if you're healthy, but also even more important to be seen on a regular basis by your eye doctor once you have been diagnosed.
1: And what I just realized too, that, uh, you can find online vision tests, which I didn't even know they existed until I did some research. Why? I mean, that seems like you, I mean, they could probably tell your vision or I don't even know if they can do that, but they certainly can't detect things that you can detect in the office.
4: That's exactly right. And that's a really big concern. You know, as doctors of optometry, we advocate for our patients and want to make sure that we can protect and preserve their vision. And most online apps can be very misleading because they only do one small sliver of an entire exam and cannot uh, diagnose or evaluate any of these eye health problems. So, They're not really a wise thing to use. I mean, there are some apps that are just educational in nature, which are fine if people want to learn more about their eyes and their vision. But there is no substitute for an in-person comprehensive eye examination with your doctor of optometry to protect and preserve and manage your vision.
1: You know, I just read something a little frightening before I went on the air because um, they just there's such a talk about the Zika virus that they're saying a a team of researchers in Brazil and at the Yale School of Public Health published the first report demonstrating that the Zika virus can cause glaucoma in infants when they were exposed to the virus during gestation. That's that's pretty scary.
4: This is true. You are cutting edge. It just came out.
1: So. Right? I said, oh, Yeah,
4: very <laughs> impressed. So, um, you know, unfortunately, the Zika virus really has profound impact on the brain. And again, as we discussed earlier, the eyes are an extension of the brain. So it's not surprising that we're going to see all kinds of changes Uh, and negative
2: impacts
4: on the eyes and on the vision as well. Um, Unfortunately, the the patients with Zika where the babies develop the microcephaly really are profoundly delayed and, unfortunately, will never really have the opportunity to develop normally. So it's really important that we try to prevent um, children from being born with microcephaly and, of course, for those children to have their eyes examined. And I have seen um, some of these babies. I've examined some of them myself, Um, and the profound changes that happen.
1: Now, uh, aside from working with children, as we mentioned, you certainly work with all age groups. And and I know as we get older, our eyes age as well. And uh, we have perhaps cataracts and glaucoma and other eye issues. What are the most common issues that you see in your office that relate to our eyes as we age?
4: Common to have um, diabetic eye disease, as we talked about. Also Mm -hmm. glaucoma, as you mentioned, is a leading cause of vision loss. It's a disease that affects optic nerve that connects the eye to the brain and has usually few if any symptoms, more prevalent after age 40. And unfortunately, by the time the patient's aware that they have the disease, it's usually after the disease has literally robbed their peripheral vision of sight and it's not reversible. So that's yet another reason to have that annual comprehensive exam, because we can detect it and diagnose it early and institute treatment to protect and preserve the function of the optic nerves. Another common condition is macular degeneration, which is often age-related, um, associated with changes in the back of the eye. A big component of it, of course, is genetics, but environment plays a huge role in macular degeneration. The feeling is that uh, patients who have been exposed to a lot of ultraviolet light or sun exposure tend to be uh, more affected by macular degeneration, and we know that smoking also has a negative impact and causes macular degeneration. So as I tell my patients, if um, smoking doesn't kill you, it might make you go blind, so it's a good idea to to quit that habit. And it is a good idea to wear uh, good quality sunglasses when you're outside to protect and preserve your eyes. And in addition, diet plays a huge role in macular degeneration. The pigment that's found in the back of the eye in the macula that helps us see so well is called lutein and zeaxanthin, and it's found in dark green leafy vegetables, also found in some of the colorful uh, vegetables like uh, colored peppers, And so when you go in for your comprehensive eye examination with your doctor of optometry, they'll take a look at your eyes and see whether or not you're at risk for macular degeneration and review with you if you have macular degeneration or at risk for it, the things that you can do to decrease the likelihood that you will develop the disease. And then if you do develop the disease, there are recommendations for diet and for supplementation that your doctor of optometry can recommend. And if the disease is progressive, nowadays there are actually treatments for wet macular degeneration. The other big category is cataracts. Which right. Is I was going just to going
1: to ask work. you about those. Yeah. Are they avoidable or do, do most, as you get older, you just have them no matter what?
4: Well, most people will wind up developing cataracts. And as I tell my patients, you know, in the Chinese menu, as they say, of eye diseases, if God's going to give you something, cataracts is the one you want to have because it's easily treated with an outpatient surgical procedure. And actually, um, we work together with the surgeons to discuss the visual outcome after the surgery, because in a sense, we can custom design the vision that the patient will have after surgery. So cataract is when the lens in the eye loses its transparency or its clarity, and it is definitely affected by sun exposure and by smoking as well. Once again, another indication for Smoking, and, um, and again, good idea to wear good quality sunglasses or to make sure that your um, spectacle glasses that you're getting filter out the UV light. And um, your doctor of optometry will discuss with you because after surgery, they actually take your lens out of your eye and put an artificial one in. It's like a hard contact in your eye that you can't feel and that's permanently in there. So we can design the vision to have perfect distance vision or perfect reading vision, or they make multifocal lenses now that can be put in so it affects and improves your vision for both distance as well as for near. But this is part of the reason why it's important to have a relationship with your doctor of optometry, and you can find a great one by going to the American Optometric Association's website at www.aoa.org. We have a doctor locator there where we have all of our doctors listed, and you can easily find one in your neighborhood that can take care of you. Because one of the things is when we see patients all the way through their life, and I've had the pleasure of taking care of four and five generations of the same family because my dad was also a doctor of optometry, you're able, as a doctor of optometry, to detect very subtle changes in a patient when you've been seeing them on a regular basis and be able to prevent a disease or treat it early on. And earlier we were talking about some of the neurological problems Mm -hmm. like brain tumors and aneurysms. And almost every time that I found them, it's been for that very reason, a subtle change. The patient thought something was a little bit off. I noticed something slightly off in their vision, in their peripheral vision, from what it had been in the past. And, um, and lo and behold, there was something very significant and able to save somebody's life because of it.
1: Wow. I, I, I have to, well, I have, I, I visited mine about eight months ago. So how often should you, do you suggest getting, um, visiting your optometrist to get your eyes examined?
4: We recommend that patients have an annual comprehensive eye exam with their doctor of optometry and then, of course, need to discuss with their doctor of optometry if they need to be seen more often. Patients with diabetes, as we indicated earlier, patients with glaucoma or macular degeneration may need to be monitored on a more frequent basis. Even if your eyes are healthy, certainly if you're a contact lens wearer, you need to be examined on a yearly basis to make sure that your eyes are healthy and to get an updated contact lens prescription to make sure that your vision is good and that your eyes stay healthy. Because contact lenses are medical devices that are worn on the eye, and in order to maintain healthy eyes and not have risk factors of infections and ulcers and other complications, having that annual eye examination really makes a huge difference.
1: Now, doctor, can you stop a cataract from growing further through diet or through lifestyle? Or once it starts, it usually has its own path of growth.
4: No, it, it, I do find that if a patient has not been eating right, or has not been exercising, has not been wearing sunglasses, you're often able to slow it down. It really depends on how much they're, how far along they are, and how much they're exposed to the UV light. You know, it's, it's funny when I go get my nails done; I'm very concerned now about all these machines they have in. Yeah lawns that have UV lights with people looking in them. I wear my sunglasses when I'm in there all the time. Um, it'd be interesting to see what's going to happen down the road, whether or not patients are going to um, have an increased incidence of cataracts as a result of it. But um, the thinking is now that with the ozone layer thinning, that, that's one of the reasons why cataracts are also increasing. And in addition, years ago, cataract surgery was so complicated with in-hospitalization um, stays needed for multiple days, that people were very reluctant to have cataract surgery. Now the cataract surgeons do an outstanding job of being able to do the procedure as an outpatient and send the patient home able to see right away. So I think people are also having the surgery done earlier before it really negatively impacts their function.
1: How about floaters? Do we get those as we get older? Those little black spots that you see that you think bugs are flying around the room, but they're not. It's in your eye. <laughs> yeah, I tried to I was kill many.
4: You <laughs> about earlier after your eye <laughs> trauma, so floaters um, in and of themselves are of no serious consequence. However, um, they are often the sign of a retinal hole or tear or detachment. So your concern yourself for sudden onset floaters was very well founded. So if you have new floaters that you have not seen before, uh, big ones or hundreds of little ones or any kind of dramatic change, that's a, that's a reason to see your doctor of optometry right away and have a dilated eye exam. The majority of patients will turn out to have what you had, which is a vitriol detachment where the jelly-like substance in the eye, which is in a sac in the back of the eye, separates from the retina, and then the pieces of the jelly thicken, and the light casts shadows as they pass through those thickened pieces of jelly. And that's why when you look around, the floaters move, and when you try to look at them, they go in the opposite direction. So it's sort of like a snow globe. If you shake it up, sometimes those particles are more visible than others. However, when that vitreous separates from the back of the eye, it adheres to the retina, and when it separates, it may tear the retina in the process separating, and at first, the first symptom you will have are new floaters, Uh, and you might have just a small hole in the retina that would be relatively easy to treat with a laser. Left alone, if that hole is not treated, fluid from inside the eye gets underneath the retina. It's like a hole in the wallpaper, if you think of it, and if the fluid gets underneath, it pushes the retina forward. The retina is a nervous tissue. It's an extension of the brain, and when it separates from the back of the eye, it loses its blood supply, and it starts to die. You will start to see flashes of light because your retina only speaks in light. It only, When it's stimulated, it creates the sensation of seeing light. There is no pain because there are no pain sensors inside the eye on the retina level. But um, the next time would be the flashes of light. And then left untreated, the retina will separate and start to die, and then you will start to lose your side vision. So any new uh, episodes of floaters, um, especially like you had just suddenly happen or after trauma, mm-hmm or flashes of light, or a reason to have your eyes dilated right away. And um, when it's caught early, the retinal surgeons can do an outstanding job of sealing up those retinal holes. Uh, Left longer, it becomes a much more complicated procedure that has to be done. So, again, that's your body's way of telling you, get yourself to your doctor of optometry. Again, you can find one at AOA.org.
1: I did. I, I made such a fool of myself by hitting, hitting myself on the head with my paddle <laughs> after claiming that I was so good at kayaking. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know why I felt worse that I did that, or you know, I started to see spots. But thank goodness it was. It was nothing. It, it was. I. I did check it immediately because you can't, as you said, you can cannot let that go. Another big issue that we're all having now in this computer age is. I strain associated with being online all the time. And and just from, from my personal experience, I was getting headaches. And, you know, Lori knows me. You've just met me. But, you know, I immediately associated it with some sort of horrible brain issue. But it turned out that my glasses were too strong, the ones that I was using on the computer that I've been seeing with in the normal course of the day. So when I had those changed to a weaker prescription, the headaches went away. So I'm sure there are a lot of tips that you can offer us about how to deal with our computers um, and, and having healthy eyes.
4: So the example you gave is a, is a perfect example which explains why it's really important to have that annual exam and to talk with your doctor of optometry about your visual demands, how to use computers, how far away is it from you, how many hours a day, and what are your demands, because we need to prescribe for the patient's demands and needs. And what you're describing is something called computer vision syndrome, and, again, you can read more about it on our website on AOA.org, but it's a whole host of problems that are associated by using computers for extended period of time. Our eyes were designed to allow us to see at depth and at distance, meaning to see in 3D objects far away. And when we're looking at a computer screen, it's flat and two-dimensional and up close. And because it's glowing, it often creates a lot of strain in our visual system in trying to determine how far to focus. And our eyes tend to focus too hard and look closer than the plane of the computer. In addition, patients talk about staring at the computer. Nobody talks about looking at the computer, and that's because, indeed, they stare. They don't blink. So the eyes tend to get dry. Uh, The eyes have trouble coordinating and focusing. Some patients need, as you did, special glasses that are designed for that unique um, demand and unique distance. There are also special coatings, blue-blocking lenses that are used to help reduce the glare and the strain from the blue end of the spectrum and also anti-reflective coating to reduce glare that's coming from the computer's. It's important to also take rest breaks with your eyes. The American Optometric Association recommends that you follow the 20-20-20 rule, which is to take a 20-second rest break by looking at something 20 feet away every 20 minutes. So you don't want to sustain looking at the computer for more than 20 minutes at a time without looking far away. Once an hour, a good idea to get up and stretch your legs so you can take a break. It's also, if you're using a desktop computer, It's ideal if the top of the monitor is at eye level so that you're looking down into the monitor. Our eyes work together as a team when we're looking down better than they do when they're looking straight ahead. So you wanna make sure that it's ergonomically set up and that you don't have any glare source like a light right behind you that's reflecting into your eye. But again, this is something that you really need to discuss with your doctor of optometry when you go in for your comprehensive eye exam. The doctor of optometry will take a comprehensive medical history and talk to you also about your lifestyle and your work demands to try to find ways to make you comfortable. And if your eyes are getting dry from the computer, uh, you want to think about blinking, there are also supplements that the doctor can recommend, oral supplements and topical eye drops. And in addition, there are prescription eye drops for severe dry eye as well.
1: So that and a dry eye—that's another issue that a lot of uh, people have as they get older. Their eyes lose. I mean, are there any good things about getting older?
2: <laughs> this is just for your eyes.
1: So Everything so else, so like alive. we're we're alive and we gain wisdom. Like I could have the wisdom when I was young, very young, because that's when I needed it. And then the looks and the and the and the moist eyes as I as I get older. So I think that that makes it. And also, I find I'm more sensitive to allergies because my eyes are drier. So is there? Um, Uh, Should you be using drops or moisteners, or is that...?
4: So you said, by the way, tongue-in-cheek, is there anything that gets better? You mentioned yourself that your prescription was too strong. Your eyes got a little bit better. So sometimes people's prescriptions do improve over time, and nearsighted people would often get less nearsighted as they get older. Some people call it like a second sight when their vision starts to improve. Regarding dry eye, um, as we get older, our eyes do get drier. There's no question our hormones do impact dry eye significantly. The tears are composed of three layers. The, it's like a sandwich. The inside is a mucus layer that holds it onto the eye. The body of the tears are the watery layer, and the outer layer is the oily layer that prevents evaporation. And when your doctor of optometry evaluates you and examines you, they'll look to see where the deficiencies are. For some people, the meibomian glands, which are the oil glands that are at the base of your eyelashes, are often clogged and not moving well, and that can also cause a decrease in the production of oil. Or if you're wearing makeup and not taking off your makeup well at night, or lining on that what they call the water line on the inside of the lid, which is where the opening for those glands are, those can be sources of dry eyes. And using hot compresses on your eyelids, taking off your makeup thoroughly with a non-oily eye makeup remover, and your doctor of optometry can recommend hot compresses on your lids to help those glands secrete more. Also, omega-3 supplements, omega-3s are the essential fatty acid that are found in fish. Uh, They help to produce a better quality of the oil that's in your tears. So your doctor of optometry may recommend some supplementation for you. In terms of topical supplements, topical eye drops, there are many, many different drops available that come in many different formulas. Your doctor of optometry will recommend which one would be best for you, depending on whether your deficiency is that center aqueous deficiency, the watery layer, uh, whether it's on the oily layer or on the mucin layer that you're having problems with. And there are prescription eye drops now available. There are actually two manufacturers that make them that um, also for the severe dry eyes where the hot compress is in the topical and the... um, uh, omega-3 supplements are not enough, in which case prescription eye drops can be prescribed by your doctor optometry for you. Dry eye is not um, something inconsequential. From some of the studies that have been out there, it shows that it really negatively impacts people's quality of life. So it's important to address it and feel good about your eyes and to make sure that you have the best vision that you possibly can.
1: Well, I I appreciate the compliment. My eyes got better, but unfortunately, uh, it's only better on the computer because it's closer. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, I'm not sure my vision got better. But I'm I you know think positively. Maybe it will get better as I get older. I, I'm thinking along those lines. Always positive thinking. Well, Doctor, you are a font of knowledge. I really appreciate your help and 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 passing along all your valuable information uh, to our listeners. Um, Where can we find you?
4: So, um, all you can contact us, the American Optometric Association at the AOA.org, and if you want to contact directly with any kind of specific questions that you have, you can reach me at president at AOA.org, and we'll be happy to help you out with questions that you have. But the advice that I have for everyone is to make sure they seek out their own doctor of optometry at AOA.org's doctor locator, and make sure you go for your comprehensive eye examination because you only get one pair of eyes, and it's important to take good care of your eyes and your overall health by having your annual comprehensive eye exam with your doctor of optometry.
1: Thank you so much for being with us. I'm going to see you as a patient soon. I hope you're ready. (laughs) Eat, eat, a, eat a lot of leafy greens cuz you're going to need the iron you going to need the pro, you're going to need the energy when when you finish with me and, and kind of take take off the entire day so you can hear all of my all of my eye issues but thank you so but you have set my mind at, at ease so i really appreciate it everyone that's our show thank you so much again doctor and thank you as always my lori and thank you all for listening this is jane wilkins michael i will see you next week until then be wise be well be better than
0: before Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.